Welcome to Final Frontiers, the internet's first and only alias podcast. Uh, my name is Matthew. And this is Mitchell. And today we are discussing episode 14 of season one, The Coup, written by Kurtzman and Orchi, directed by Thomas J. Wright. A veteran, he directed some Max Headroom, The Beauty and the Beast with Linda Hamilton a, a and veteran, Ron Perlman. A, a veteran of writing or uh, a veteran uh, of... TV direction. Okay. Uh, directed some Highlander. Remember Space Above and Beyond? Yes, I do. You directed some of that it, shit? It was kind of like the most true-to-form or true-to-concept Starship Troopers vehicle, I would say. I never watched it. I'll take your word. Okay. Directed a shitload of Millennium and NCIS, so he's... Uh, uh, he, knows, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, doing fine. No no need for the Netflix and TV guide summaries this week. The, Why not? The Wikipedia summary basically covers it. Okay. Terribly written, though it is. Sydney and Dixon are sent to Las Vegas to gather information from a K-Directorate agent who has ties to the group that attacked and nearly destroyed SD6. Meanwhile, Sydney accidentally discovers some shocking news about Francie's fiancé, Charlie, who recently had had a real affair with another woman. <laughs> I, don't know why it, I don't know why affair is... Uh, it's why it's a real affair. Uh, because the other affair was... Presumed. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's that. That makes sense. It was it kinda, a suspected affair. It, it kind of makes sense now that he probably stooped his uh, keyboardist. Uh, yeah, of course, wouldn't serial you? Stu- he's a serial stooper. <laughs> Gross. Uh, Will begins his journey to discover what SD six really is, and Jack continues to try to be more of a father to Sydney when he helps her decide whether or not to continue with graduate school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much to talk about. Yeah, uh, that got kind of, but not really. Kind of a kind of a light episode, light compared to a two parter. Yes, but. that's true. I didn't finish this one exhausted and bordering on hallucinating like I did the last story. Uh, yeah, I think because since the last story was so much of a story and so much of a, let's give QT mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino some time to talk and do stuff and take swigs of champagne and force his tongue in a Sydney's mouth and all sorts of boxy, billowy, bodily things. Uh, we can have time to focus on all the decisions <laughs> that were made as far as uh, how we're going to dress up our actors, uh-huh. uh, how we're going to wrap up some loose ends plot-wise, maybe, if you're thinking of the whole Francie-Charlie engagement thing. Sure. Uh, where do we want to start with this? I want to start on Hong Kong. Okay. Vaguely racist music as we uh, <laughs> swing into this. Uh, the it's not even. I don't think it's an establishing shot. I think that's a real something filmed for... Uh, Probably the the beginning of Gremlins just repurposed, if you look back on it. So we see a, a businessman. He's being shot up by some trench coat mafia yeah, guy. Yeah, he's uh, being shot up by the and, basketball diaries. And it's in the, uh, the middle of a uh, plaza, office park type deal. Turns out this is the Tino Kim Engineering, the front company for FTL. FTL which yeah. we uh, never found out what it stood for. We don't care. Uh, we know is they have some Rimbaldi artifacts. So this Tino Kim Engineering, the FTL equivalent to Credit Dauphine, yeah. so it is their... Uh, oh, I didn't make that tie. Their, their, their front company. And uh, the sad son of a bitch who was shot up, he was the, uh, the head. The head. Quan uh, Lee. Yeah. Quan Lee. And now uh, FTL no longer exists. Just the guy who shot up that guy belonged to the same organization that tried to take down the uh, LA SD6 branch. So, let's just talk about that. You just brought up a good point. The the SD6 branch. So, right. they're saying that this person took down all of FTL or the head of FTL. Mm-hmm. When we know that for a fact, if they took out Sloan in the last raid in the previous two episodes, right. Knowing what we know from Vaughn's uh little diagram, it would be a fraction of yeah. SD6, but they act act like that would have been the entirety of SD6. Right. Or or the entirety of 
SD because the others are. I guess it would have SD been SD. 30. It yeah. would have been SD six. I guess. What was it like? SD two and three were Sacramento and San Francisco, and then SD four was the Vatican or something like that. But the, well, there's the uh, SD eleven in Patterson, New Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. SD twelve in, in Hoboken. Exactly. SD thir- fourteen Monaco. Yeah. yeah. So while we're explaining this, Marshall Flinkman. He asks, we should be celebrating. His wound looked remarkably healed, by the way, because we see Jack later in this episode, and he's still got a little bit of a scar. Yeah, well, c- considering that his uh, that enormous bandage that he had on his yeah, face before, true. it seems like, uh, yeah, it should be, at least he should at least have a scab. Yeah. Victor Garber, I suspect he's a vain man. He's saying, uh, don't give me a scab. Just <laughs> give, give me a little cut. It'll look sexy. And uh, as usual... It's not really discussing the finer points of the story in an episode of Alias, but we're going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So what, what does Sydney have to do? She has to go to a casino yeah. where there is a K-directorate contact living in the penthouse, like Willard White and Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> Mantis has to disguise himself as a delegate from Jamaica. Oh, okay. Let's, I think we should, let's wrap up the SD6 portion. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about... Uh, Sydney's surprise party? Alanon Balaban, who is experiencing his own type of uh, finger regrowth. That's true. Though, uh, I guess they just sewed the old yeah. one back on. Not really regrowing. Tacky glue. That works, by the way. He has this kind of, like, greasy look to him. Like, he just... And he's, like, trying to be... He's trying to do that, I guess, that surrogate father thing that he did in the previous episode where he put yeah. his hands out in that weird way. And, mm-hmm. like, Sydney, like, just in case I don't see you again, it's very much that, like, are you okay? Like... It, uh, it comes off, I don't know. You think it's the choice of the actor to make him less uh, sincere than he should be? Because he's trying to, he doesn't know that Alias knows that he's not really part of the CIA. Right. It seems like he's trying to be like, hey, I, I do, I honestly, I'm not lying to you. There's no secrets between us and I have your best interests in mind. And it's really not coming off that way. I don't know. Maybe he... I don't know anything about Ron Rifkin. Yeah. Ron Rifkin could be a disgusting human being when it comes <laughs> to hygiene. I have yeah. no idea. It could be like Kate Hudson where you see her and she looks like she woke up in a forest. <laughs> like you, I have no idea. So maybe that's just how he looks. Okay. And then uh, they say, let's do this. All right. This is, uh, this is how Arvin Sloan looks. He looks like uh, a man who sleeps in a pile of trash. I see <laughs> it gets totally possible. We find out that Sydney's in grad school to become a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Just everyone pause to let, especially those friends of mine, friends of ours who went to grad school to become teachers who have to live with the reality of what a teacher pays to, God well, knows if you work at a bank. Well, and it's not clear, like, do, do you have to go to grad school to become a teacher? To be like a, like a per- an adjunct professor? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But like, are you, if you're teaching uh, elementary school. Yeah, I think you could be a, or just a bachelor's. Yeah, like so some teaching credential or focus on teaching. It's it seems like overkill, and uh, now she wants to quit because it, Alias can't stick with fucking anything. Because, well, because her mom was a a spy that got people killed, much like <laughs> Alias. I think she's taking her father's side in a way. It's like this weird kind of trust she's trying to build mm-hmm. with her father. That right. her father admitted uh, admitted to her, like I just you know how do you think I felt when I realized that this woman I loved that I had a kid with was probably just using me to get close to people in the CIA to kill. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think they kind of connected that way. And I think that was her way of maybe going to her father with a problem that he could actually give honest feedback on. Uh-huh. And she wouldn't immediately be like, what the fuck? I don't trust you, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was a way for them to bond, I think. Sydney says to Vaughn, I don't like to get too political. 
because uh, I'm uninformed, I'm inarticulate, and uh, indifferent. You should so. be running for office. <laughs> I would do very well. Yeah. Also, I am for sale to the highest bidder. Ah, so, uh But I'm too young. You're blonde, though. Just wait. It'll happen. <laughs> so uh, Sydney says to Vaughn, I work with patriots, believing they work for the U.S. government. None of them realizing the information they gather is only being used by heartless men like Arvin Sloan for an organization that would trade their lives for a profit in a heartbeat. Okay, so I think you're about to make the same point that I'm going to make about that. All and right. Please, I'm glad that you wrote that quote down. Uh, again, what's the difference from the real CIA? Bingo! <laughs> exact thing. I said, so far, you, what she said is no different from what the CIA is doing. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, insert any other uh, big FCC. heartless government. Aid. Well, I, I mean the FCC. I don't think anybody at the FCC would call themselves patriots. Will Tippin's got a hickey. Tippin' hickey. Tippin' hickey. The intern. And then and the uh, intern is something that Sydney says. For a, a moment, I thought it's something we repurposed from like another TV show or podcast. What do you, what do you mean? The just calling um, I forget the actress's name. Uh, the his what, intern. Yes. Okay. Like calling her. I think it's like way, Sydney's way of kind of kind of taking her down a peg. She's not really an intern, right? I, she does a lot of work for an intern. <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they they work very closely. Uh, well, then she. Does the you know makes the Lewinsky joke, right? Which is topical, uh, yeah. Not even then, not even then, not even then. Well, it was that, that was the biggest scandal we had aside from having an incompetent president during 9 11? But yeah, uh, well, we'll are get you there. getting political a little bit? You're getting political, it's like political, but not really. Yeah, so, well, yeah like I, I say, we're, we're we're uninformed and inarticulate. Yeah, so, you want me to like if we, we somehow circle back to the Great Depression and the New Deal, I'll just refer to. Easy. I'll refer. I'll refer to FDR as that man. <laughs> Charlie's back, and mimosas is, are verboten. Is Charlie a different actor? That's what I thought. Okay, we just I, had I was like, he's looking very. Yeah, I guess he was just groomed differently. I actually did think the same thing that okay. he looks slightly different. You think it was just grooming? He's got a gig Thursday. The gang is going to put up flyers. <laughs> the gang. This is essentially a, a kind of subplot of a Scooby Doo episode. <laughs> He and Will, they exchange an awkward fist bump. Oh, that was so weird, right? Yeah. You're like, he immediately like, he would have shook your hand, Will, and it would have been fine. Why did you have to just, uh, black guy fist bump? <laughs> it's like, you're black, right? Yeah, fist bump. This is, you, you like this. Yeah. I like it, too. It makes us me feel connected with another race. Will Tippin, he goes back to the prison to see McNeil, played by uh, Ken Olin, of course. He asks him, what's SD6? Yeah. Just like that. <laughs> What's SD6? And he keeps, he's tipping around back and forth with whether or not he wants to do this. He's pretty, he's being pretty flippant with the fact that people around him are getting killed. He, he's speaking to a, a voice modulator on a phone. He's telling that voice modulator, like, hey, I'm out of this. Uh, it's like, what's he doing? Like, how does he think that he could just be so carefree about, like, oh, I guess I'll go talk to this guy in the prison. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, is your daughter going to be okay? Because I don't want to get <laughs> anyone else killed. Will should know the gravity of the situation, but he doesn't seem to care. No. What McNeil tells Will is that to learn more about SD6, first he has to go to uh, OT Technology, oh. uh, Operating Feet and Technology, and has to interview their CEO because he needs to log into a computer there. Shadow tip, and he gets to do some his own spy spy work. And then uh, McNeil is really relying on this uh, this company who have not remodeled or changed any of their <laughs> yeah. passwords or door codes in, what was it, seven years? 
Yeah, I mean, this was what two thousands. That makes sense. That could have easily happened. I, I they're but they're like a, a technology company. It seems like they would have protocols in place of like let's change the door code every year. I would like so past employees can't break in. I would like the audience to understand or to attempt to understand the severity of my eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> so that happens, and that's fun. It's unresolved. Drives me crazy, but that's okay. Yeah, I bet they'll get to it. Sydney's professor, Professor Troy. Uh, we haven't talked about this actor. Uh, he's in several things. He's he has two hundred nineteen credits on the IMDb. Okay. Vincent Price had two hundred one credits. He has more acting credits than Vincent Price, and he's still alive. He's not a young guy anymore. He's <laughs> like, what, what? What? Wait. What do you wish to compare first? His ability to stay alive versus Vincent Price's, or the fact that he was in more movies? He's been in more, and he's still alive. Yeah. So he's going to be in a lot more. Uh, like. Charles Durning, who recently died at 210. That okay. guy's in everything. James Hong from a past episode, he has 410 credits. Probably never Wait, catch... Wait, he just died? James Hong? No, no, no. Uh, Charles Durning died. Uh, so I, I recognize the actor who plays Professor Choi. Because I guess he's in everything, but I don't remember any of it. I feel like he's in a, uh, a lot of he's, he's in... FMV full motion videos for video games. <laughs> he's always playing a character with a name like Mr. Wu or Dr. Fong. <laughs> if you look yeah. at his IMDb. Uh, he's in Surf Ninjas, My Girl 2. His, his last name is Park, correct? Young. Young, okay. Yeah. Uh, dude, Where's My Car? If you're looking for, oh, what do I know him from? He's in a hundred things you've seen, but not in any role that you'll... It's very odd. Okay, yeah. Um, I know, I, I, as soon as I saw the professor, when we the first episode he shows up, I recognized him. I was like, yeah, I, I know that actor. He's one of those. I mean, I guess if we watch he any plays, TV like, show. like Hawaiian to Japanese to... Any kind of Asian. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Wu, Dr. Fong, those are the kind of characters that he plays. Mr. Lee, Professor Choi, usually in a position of slight authority, always with an Asian name. Yeah. Some, uh, type, of, some type of science. If it's an Asian, he's a doctor or a scientist or a professor. Well, Professor Choi says that Sydney's one of the best students he's ever had. You and don't that's, say that to a student that got a D in a graduate-level paper. Hey, listen, he gives her back this new Fitzgerald paper. It's got an A on it. I guess she injected some soul. <laughs> Find that soul. It contains some soul. So he's oh, like, got the, the soul requirement. You got an A. Immediately wipes from my mind the fact that you turned in late work and you turned in subpar late work. I once turned in late work from a professor that I admired and that thought, highly of me mm-hmm. and he said like i don't remember you turning in late work and he let me do a makeup and the highest i could get because of the fact that it was late was like a c or something wow that's tough yeah, or like a b plus oh that's uh i guess it's sydney, fair though so uh, yeah i guess i guess sydney gets a pass because uh she's much better looking than you are oh oh that brings me to <laughs> my ne- we'll come around to that point okay yeah outside of professor Choi's office she bumps into stella yep one of Charlie's exes, they dated a few months ago. Yeah. What? How could this be? And I was like, okay, so we since we're in like the continuity of a television season, uh-huh. which was we would say is like late fall or late September to early May. I was like, well, give us some goddamn months. Were you dating in September? Were you dating in November? Because we could place it within the story. She said a few months ago. She's yeah. very, very vague, and well, she uh, just met her. That's true. Uh, and I'm, I'm guessing, and this is a real twist of the knife, that one, not only were they dating around the time that she suspected him of having an affair, which is odd because they were keeping a real close watch on Charlie, but whatever. Yeah. It was also around the same time that he was singing uh, Have a Little Faith in Me. Maybe Charlie should be the spy. 
He's, <laughs> he's be much more successful. And uh, got, is Francie dead? Nope. You know what? I would rather watch a show about a traveling musician who is, also works in some spying. A terrible. He's not very good, but no- <laughs> that's okay. Sydney's not very good at writing papers on Fitzgerald. A 30-year-old man who's dating graduate students who is also a lawyer, but who has decided to become a musician and that is now a spy. Sometimes he wears a goatee, sometimes not. We just wrote a goddamn show. It's called Renaissance Man. (laughs) Don't confuse it with the Danny DeVito DeVito movie. Not at all. And that's what it's about. It's about a philandering, traveling musician, (laughs) as they all are, by necessity. Uh, yeah, I was trying to figure out like, oh, give us specific dates. When did when was she? When was Stella seeing Charlie? Mm. But also, it brings up a good point of so is we we talked about this before. Is Francie also an English or literature grad student? But Charlie is a law student, or is he a recent graduate? Because remember, he had to go to law review. Quote it's, unquote. Yeah, it's never clear. Yeah, they never they never clarify that for us. They keep it vague because they, they like to keep their options open. I think yeah, I think they're not paying themselves in any corners. No, which I I appreciate. I, I think respect. they have to with this show. Cause yeah, it's because it's a lot of paint and only a few corners. There's a, yeah, there's yeah. very few corners, especially when a couple of nerds taking notes or watching it like yeah. we are. There's very few times we're over halfway through the first season where I'm like, well, that directly contradicts, you know, they can say like, oh, yes, yeah, Sydney wanted to be a teacher because her mother was a teacher. Right. Not- and we could be like, that was never brought up, but they never said it was anything else. Right. So, yeah. Well, also, how much is she getting paid? Do you get paid for being a double agent? Yeah, but probably not much. It, well, she's at least getting two paychecks. She's getting an SD6 and a CIA paycheck. Why like, would she? Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. I would. you'd have to argue, like, listen, if you want me to be a double agent, if I get caught, I'm dead. I'm going to need like, a lot of hazard pay for that. That's true. I mean, do you, are contract negotiations a, uh, a thing in espionage? They must be, right? Well, I, they could arrest her and be like, well, you're... Uh, you're committing treason. You're committing treason. Right. Let's arrest you. Like, well, you do that. Who's not to say that I don't have like a safe deposit box that goes to whomever sure. and spills the entire beans? Spills the entire beans. All the, all, the, the entire can goes every which way. Oh, so we can cut to Vegas. Will's on the phone with uh, Sydney while Sydney's just walking around. Well, we, oh, I'm the sorry. fountains in front of Caesar's Palace. Double back a bit. I interrupted yeah. your mimosa brunch story with Charlie when we were both like, "Hey, is Charlie different somehow? Is this a new actor?" Sydney mentioned she's going to Vegas, and it kind of gives yeah. kind of gives Francie and Charlie the idea to go to Vegas. Yeah, they say that sounds great. Let's go to Vegas, and Sydney's yeah. like, "Shut up! Don't go to Vegas. We'll it, go next weekend." It's a very doable drive too from L.A. Of course. And they, they act like this is this is amazing. Why don't we go to Vegas all the time? Vegas is lovely. Like they've never been to Vegas. I'm positive they've been to Vegas. It was probably a stop on one of Charlie's trips. Yeah. Probably uh got some strange there, knowing knowing Charlie. God, yeah, I no want to see this show where Charlie's just a, a philandering traveling singer. musician who's also a spy. Just sometimes the, he has a goatee, sometimes not, because his hair grows really sharp. Fast. Just when yeah. he's singing. It's a little sharp, a little flat. Yeah. So Will says on the phone to Sydney. Who the hell lives a double life like that? Seriously. What? What? I don't oh. know. Oh, jeez. Did she pull her collar? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mantis, he's wearing a terrible wig and a oh. fake beard. Oh, this my. is also what this show should be. This is what I want. <laughs> I want. <Renaissance> man. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, this is this is a different show. This is just... This is what Mantis should have been or what Renaissance Man should uh, we be. Haven't or seen, what Alias could also be. We haven't seen Mantis yet. Right. Maybe, uh, maybe Alias should be a three-hander. So, 
for Netflix, once I finished uh, the box part two, mm-hmm. like the episode in- thirteen. Season one of Alias. Yes. The next episode that popped up, this current episode, The Coup, the image for <laughs> uh, what I'm about to watch next is Man- Mantis, Marcus Dixon, in this in his alias. Oh. And it's just like, you, the minute you see it, it's like, God damn it. Like, it's the biggest teaser. They could have showed, like, Alias with, like, a, a bullet to the brain. I wouldn't have cared. But just seeing how ridiculous, like, I had to find out why is Mantis Dixon doing this? And turns out it's it's a fucking stupid reason. Like, I was just laughing so hard. It's one of the stupidest things, but I think I could sum it up by saying this semi, not political, but it's a, it's a bit of a charged statement. It could offend people. I don't Uh-oh. Know yeah. Uh-oh. I didn't think it was possible uh-huh. to put an African-American in blackface, but they did it. A little bit. Is that how a Jamaican delegate grooms himself? <laughs> this is the- He's a politician from Jamaica? <laughs> We could assume that. We could assume that he had to be as close to, like, Mission Impossible wearing a, f- a fake mask that looked like the real person, mm-hmm. which we see in the first movie and the second movie, and becomes a big part of a Ghost Protocol, which was very fun. It's a, it's a big part of, as we've discussed off microphone, mm-hmm. the only thing really that separates the Mission Impossible universe from our universe is an over-reliance on photorealistic masks. <laughs> That's like, it's the one technology, really, that exists in that world that doesn't exist in ours. Yeah. And it changes everything. Yeah. This shit gets really weird if you can do that. If you just all, if you just grabbed, like, under your shirt and then pulled off a mask and you were Marcus Dixon, I'd shit my pants. That could happen in Mission I, Impossible. Yeah. Not in our world. Not in our world. But no. Mission Impossible, that, that could be something that does happen. Yeah. Mar- so we get to, we see Marcus Dixon. He's a Jamaican delegate, as you said. So we're okay. We'll, we'll roll with it. Like you said, we assume that this is a, a Mission Impossible-esque world where you have to look like that person. But then <laughs> Sydney, in her Iket-style silver dress, she goes into... I might be jumping ahead, but I just the, it ties so well with Marcus Dixon's disguise. She goes into the computer system and she changes his photo. That's right, yeah. look just like you could have You could have changed... If you're going to change the photo, Marcus Dixon could have had any disguise. He could that's have been. True. That's that's very true. Like, oh, he could have looked like Marcus. He could have like looked how like he, a how white he always guy. does. He could have looked like. Yeah. Um, he could have. Well, I mean, he has to be a Jamaican delegate. He could have looked like so. Eddie Murphy and white like me. But instead, he looked like Dan Aykroyd from Trading Places. <laughs> <laughs> but he, no, he. That's that's very true. He could have just looked like. It didn't even occur to me. He could have just looked like how he like always looked. He could always looked. And he just could, could have had a, the, his very slight Jamaican accent. Could have maybe and, some a different hairstyle. It could have given him a scar and an eye patch, whatever. But they just made him look the same. I like the inversion of the uh, of the trope of the of the alias thing, where it's like, oh, you think that Sydney's going to be wearing a wig this week? Well, fuck you. Yeah. It's going to be Marcus, and how do you like that? And he's going to be talking like this. <laughs> you Americans, so gullible. So go- <laughs> ah, 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 ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's predator now. Yeah, that's racist. <laughs> you said the dreadlocks. I get you. So casino gambling—it's a huge part of espionage, right? I guess it's—it really seems that way. Oh, did we see another gambler? What? What are you talking about? Are you saying that because there was another instance in the show, or just from like James Bond? And yeah, it seems like it's a common thing. It's like yeah. you have to meet this guy. You're gonna you're gonna be at a resort where there's gonna be a casino. Here's uh, some gambling. You know what? There might have been some. I don't remember there being gambling in an early episode. If there's anything that takes place in Monaco, then probably. Yeah. I guess that 
gambling ties into like secret clubs, ties into money. That's true. You like taking risks and you have a lot of money, you're in crime where you gamble. Or pretty much both. So Marshall says that Sydney has to splice directly into the fiber optic cables of the casino so she can poke into the uh, the computers and the cameras and everything else. Yeah. Which is funny because this is what Mr. Alias, Batman, had to do in <laughs> Batman v Superman. So then she goes back and forth between uh, Dixon's poker game and, and she sees that Francie and Charlie are going to get married. Yeah, they're going to the chapel. They're yeah. going to get married. And I, I love this because like it's a premise that is reliant on the character motivations and on how fucking stupid Vegas is. That they're like, all right, so we need a building that has both a private gambling room and a wedding chapel. Gratefully, Vegas has those. So do you think they decided on these plot points of she needs to be observing a work thing and also Francie getting married? So like, oh, Vegas, that makes sense. It's No, I think it's an amazing sitcom premise that occurs very naturally. I don't think that they, you know, maybe they did. Maybe there was a, they started from that. How can she be involved in both the wedding thing and right, uh, right. an espionage story? Well, if it's Vegas, then. There was that, like that tease moment of maybe they're going to see her in her like alias, which is right. basically just that backup dancer, showgirl, sparkly dress costume. Yeah. Which uh, she shows to the security guard, and like, he just looks at her and smiles. He's like, yeah, get there's, in there. There's actually the sound of a spring boring. <laughs> yeah. The whole thought of Alias is a spy because men are, one, stupid mm-hmm. and very horny. Mm-hmm. So she's exploiting <laughs> these two character flaws of men everywhere. It's, it's solid, I yeah. guess. Like, of men as cartoon characters. I guess the idea of a man as being Pepe Le Pew. Look... Uh, a 27-year-old Jennifer Garner steals your credit card. You're going to be annoyed, but like when she apologizes, you're going to need to go, ah, get out of yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you just buy me a drink. Yeah. Let's yeah. go out for a drink sometime. That's true. You get up to me. And she'll be like, totally. And then she'll like, never uh, go out for a drink. You like ice cream and tequila. Ooh, That's right. Yeah. That's a callback. Well yeah. done. So uh, what happens? Mantis sits down at this poker table. <laughs> Immediately. It's just... <laughs> you look... At the room, and they're just like, oh, that's why we have a private room, so we don't have to play. (laughs) Yeah, they weren't explicit about it, but uh, But you could read it on their faces. It's my privilege that I could maybe uh, glance past it, but I could tell. The uh, actor playing Dahlgren, uh, Patrick, the man with the ring, Patrick Pankhurst, he also played Kerry Russell's father in Mission Impossible 3, So the uh, directed by J.J. Abrams. Carrie Russell, star of Felicity, created by J.J. Abrams. So the which uh, one was Mission? I don't see Mission Impossible Three. It's the one where Carrie Russell dies at the beginning. It's the it's it's the third Mission Impossible. I I haven't seen it, and I don't guess I have to fucking see it. She dies at the very beginning. She's got a bomb in her head or something. (laughs) I swear to God, it's a good one. Okay, J.J. Abrams directed it. So uh, I hear uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman stills the show as the villain. Correct. He is great. Yeah. So if yeah. you haven't seen it, fuck you. No spoiler fuck warning. Fuck you. No, I'm it's telling you after the fact. It's the first five minutes. Uh, Felicity dies. I, it, if I had to guess. Yeah. It's a very quick kind of uh, thing. It's good. Is it like the? <laughs> I was going to call it the Born Intention, uh, yeah. the Born Identity, the second yeah. movie. How the Born Ultimato. The Born. The born <laughs> <laughs> so why do they want the fraternity ring? It's because they're going to swap it with one that has a microphone in it. Was that the thing? I don't know. Yeah. yeah I don't really... I don't... I, it's really hard as everyone else in that fucking meeting 
knows. It's really hard to pay attention to dwarf hands when he goes on and on again. What, what's my note here by my index finger say? Why did they switch rings? Was that what was the point of that? It had to be a bug, right? Yeah, I think it. I think it was a bug, or it was because that's when they get him on the phone and they figure out that he is communicating with the K Directorate office in Moscow, right? Who is Dahlgren? Oh, was it? I guess it was a bug. I thought it was for some reason. I thought it was it interacted with some type of security system. So they needed a copy of it, or they needed the actual thing so they could interact with it. But it could have been a bug. Yeah, I I, mean, I think they just... How do we miss these details? I don't and know. We're, we're really paying attention to this fucking show. Yeah, we're, we're paying attention more than everyone. That's yeah. why you can kind of glance. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I, that's the problem is it's a, you know, a self-fulfilling prophecy is like we know that none of this shit is going to matter or make sense. So we kind of stop paying attention as, as uh, carefully like that. That whole, a couple episodes back, that whole Arvin story about going to the steps when he was working, when he was first working in the CIA and he'd visit the Washington Monument. I, I feel like and that oh, could yeah, come by back. the by, my wife has cancer. That's going to come back like in an episode or, or three when Quentin Tarantino's involved. Yeah, you'll remember that. That's why I kind of like, like I gave up on trying to rewind and pay attention. Now I think they take binge watching for granted. So mm-hmm. they don't reiterate minor plot points. Right. Back then... They were like, well, we have to just explain everything over and over and over again, which is partially, I think, why we uh, fill up these uh, recaps with so much fluff. What fluff? All this fluff. This isn't fluff. This like, is... I, I feel like if we were talking about Daredevil or something like that, we'd it would be all meat. With this, uh, we could be like, well, most of the episode is reiterating things that we already know. Yeah. Because you had to do that back then. Yeah. Even though there's a solid minute recap. There was a minute recap that has like the previously on Alias with the music and everything. And it kind of fits. It's the same photo of her at a park bench getting a message. Mm -hmm. But then after that, we had like a little minor recap to remind us of what Tippin is up to. And and Charlie. Remember Charlie? I remember this guy who was just like, marry me. Like, Charlie's back. Yay. Have a little marriage in me. And it turns out. uh, Let's get a little matrimony. I I did a peek at Wikipedia. It's Charlie's last episode. Oh. Say goodbye to Charlie. Bye, Charlie. If you're waiting for Charlie to come back, no more Charlie. Well, unless they cast a different actor. That could be. That gets us to the next scene where Alias, Three's Company 2 style, has to tell Marcus Dixon, hey, I got to cut you off for a second. I got to go stop a disastrous wedding mm-hmm. from happening, which she does, which at the same time is like, uh, you're a horrible spy. I was kind of upset. I went from being like, you're, you're just a terrible spy, letting your personal life get wrapped up with your spy games. But this kind of has maybe less levity, but with like a same kind of like, Mix mixture of what True Lies had, mm. which was Arnold Schwarzenegger's spy. I know what True Lies is. You do? Yeah. How do I know that? Because we we talked about it. I think on the last episode. <laughs> I think so. What part? You told Ten a story about part. meeting Tom Arnold. Oh yeah. And Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think that was many episodes back. You're right. Yeah. It was in in the weekend where I edited like four episodes yeah. at once. It all blends together. But I think I see more of that. I, I wanted to be mad at the fact that she's getting involved in some silly bullshit i'm like oh that was the tone has been set by movies like true lies where Mm -hmm. there are people trying to live these complicated double lives one where people are gonna die but and the other where friends are gonna make terrible mistakes what bothers me about francie turning on sydney is that she's like well did he admit it to you and she says no but he did admit it (laughs) Yeah, she she could have been like, yeah, he said he had an affair. I, I don't know that that wouldn't have shut down her uh, her blowing up, but uh, I don't know. It would have maybe 
lessened the schism a little bit. This could have gone a lot of interesting places, and it's kind of a shame that it gets wrapped up almost immediately. Immediately. Yeah. We just kind of built up this tension between, you know, Sydney is just in this constant struggle to do right by her friends, whom she's lying to, Mm -hmm. bold-faced lying to. All of them. So, yeah, she's literally going out on a limb for these people, sacrificing poor Marcus Dixon. She leaves him to play cards. She does all this so there could be some maybe payoff. Mm-hmm. When we have that tension of Francie being like, fuck you. And, you know, she could scream like, hey, I almost let a man die to help you not marry some scumbag. But then, no, immediately resolved. Then uh, Spy Daddy wants to go meet Sydney by a carousel. Oh, yeah. Lots of clandestine meetings by fun fairs in the show. <laughs> And then I have here in my notes, Dahlgren called the man. That's when they learn that K-Directorate is meeting with the man in Moscow. This man who has the funds and capability of taking out two rival spy units at once. So shut the fuck up, poor fans. That's why there's no champagne. Then what? We cut back to Sydney, sitting by the fire, drinking wine, (laughs) looking at her drop sheet. College top 40 playing. Yeah, and uh, Francie comes home. Charlie told her everything. Francie's sad. And then uh, Sydney uh, consoles Francie. She's got to do right. she got to say, hey, sorry I lashed out at you. Cut to Moscow. Sydney crawling on a, what do you, what do you call that? A line over zip an line? alley. A zip line. That sounds good. And a big furry hat. <laughs> so, That's what you, you know, wear in Russia. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Welcome to Moscow. Here is your big hat. We see that the K-Directorate stooges are meeting with Mr. Sark. Yeah. They remark how young he is. He is very young. He's <laughs> David Anders. He was 20 when they shot this. Is David Anders someone I should know from? Uh, like, look who he is certainly, now. Certainly, David Anders from... Yeah, I mean, I think he's a working actor, but nobody... Yeah. Like, if he was in anything that I thought was interesting, I would have written it down. I didn't. But he's good. He's nice and creepy. It has that English type of, I'm young and I seem inexperienced, but I'm secretly in control. Sure. Because of this accent. Yeah. Like Malcolm McDowell and If... So, K-Directorate, are they Russian government, or are they like SD6? Just like an op- <laughs> Like, where, them. like, are, do people who work for K-Directorate, do they think that they're working for the KGB? I think they honestly know that if they want to make money in Russia, they work for the mob and not the fucking government. So, that you, you don't think they're a Russian government thing? Honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I think they might be. I, but that's a good... You re- I never thought about that. They could be... I don't know. What, what's SD6 then? A terrorist organization within America? Kind of. Yeah. So they're a terrorist organization within Russia. Are they Are they like a Chechnyan organization? A Georgian organization? I think they're Russian. Ukrainian maybe? No, I think they're Russian. But all right. So what's their relationship to the KGB, if any? Right. I don't know. It's not explained. Maybe it never will be. And also, you know what? Irrelevant. Yeah. Because uh, the, uh, Mr. Sark, he kills the head of K-Directorate. Uh, played by Steven Liska, who hasn't worked since 2009. He had what? Uh, <laughs> so I'm assuming he struggled. He had maybe 55 seconds left or on that countdown before he got shot. Yeah. Mr. Sark says, I'll give you $100 million for this Rambaldi manuscript that you have. Yeah. The one that uh, Gina Torres stole. Right. Which, as soon as I saw shit going down, I'm like, these people, Mr. Basketball Diaries, British man, don't know what fucking hurt he's going to bring down on himself. Oh, that's awesome. Gina I didn't Torres even think she's... Gonna, uh, she's going to come back and have to kick some ass. She's not in it for K-Directorate. She's in it for herself. I think and she's, she's a little bit of both. But yeah. I think... She, are we looking at a Gina Torres alias team-up? 
That could the be. The enemy of my enemy is, my friend. But then uh, Mr. Sark, he says, look, you're going to give me that manuscript, and I am going to give you $100 million. Seems like just just take the ma- <laughs> Fucking put a bullet in your head. Just take, just take the over. manuscript. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but whatever. <laughs> and while all this is going on, Sydney, she's watching through a window. <laughs> she slips on a bit of uh, shoddy Soviet masonry, mm-hmm. blows, her, uh, blows her cover. That was good. She's hanging off a ledge. Socialist masonry. She, masonry. <laughs> masonry. That word masonry made by the good folks of the Soviet Union. Uh, it's not. It's lousy because the Soviets had no lime in their uh, in their soil. They had no rebar either. There was no reinforcement. I don't think you would put rebar in a ledge. That's true. But you got, uh, you got me. But but now she's hanging off a ledge. Yeah. The second and last she episode just, was a fan hanger. This one's a ledge hanger. She is literally dancing about like Chris Farley and Beverly Hills Ninja, like on a wire. Like holy shnikes! Just tossing <laughs> tossing enormous fish around. <laughs> it's very comical. All right, so on that ledge hanger, that's it for uh, episode 14 of Alias The Coup. If you have any comments, please tweet at us at Final Frontiers. So what's, what's your final take on this episode? Then? Very, uh, I don't know, plot, plot light, uh, I guess. Plot light, but it, was, it, it followed the formula of, you know, you're going to go here, you're going to do this. Slight inversions. She was in a costume, but not in the wig. Uh, Marcus was in the wig. He was in a wig and a tuxedo. Was he wearing a tuxedo? I believe he was. Okay. Or a suit, at least. Sure, at least a suit. Not a dashiki, which is not racist. (laughs) I'd like to remind you. He's done it before. He wore a dashiki in one episode. Yeah. I don't think you can say most things are racist. You could if you assumed that I was like, oh, yeah, black guy and a dashiki. Right. But when you're talking about this show... A lot of very heavy-handed tropes. Oh, it's a lot TV. Of, uh, yeah. For better or worse, I'm not knocking TV. It's a show with, until this episode, three prominent you know, African-American cast members, a bunch of scattered Asian character actors, <laughs> yeah. one Latina. Uh, are you talking about intern or janitorial? Yep. Intern, intern is also Middle Eastern. She's Puerto Rican, Iranian, I want to say. Bad robot. Well done. Bad robot. You're checking a lot of boxes you here. You are cashing checks and checking boxes, getting LGBT and BET awards. All right, let's... So uh, this is fun. So as you said, send us your comments and questions and alliterative announcements to... Please. FinalFrontiersPod at gmail.com. FinalFrontiers at Twitter. Did I get that right? <laughs> no. At Final Frontiers? At Final Frontiers on Twitter. Okay. Close enough. Pretty good. Okay. All right. So uh, until next week, have fun. I'm Matthew. Uh, Mitchell. And we'll see you then. Goodbye.